Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where we explore today's digital revolution by speaking with thought leaders and business executives who are changing how the world lives, works, plays, learns, and dreams. Our guest today is Wayne Saden, one of our monthly digital all-star guests. Wayne's been a regular with us for several months, and he speaks about Saden on digital. Wayne has been a CIO, a CTO, a CDO, and specializes now in advising CEOs and boards of directors on how to fuse the rapidly emerging world of IT with their business strategy to have a digital business strategy going forward. Wayne, good morning. Great to see you, and uh, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Bob. As always, it's great to be here. Wayne, uh, so you've come up with some pretty interesting perspectives here about this notion of shadow IT, right? Because I was under the impression that shadow IT was bad in the past, it's bad today, it'll be bad into the future, but you're taking a contrarian view on that. So what's going on here, Wayne? Well, since we're talking about a technical topic for a non-technical audience, let me start with what do you mean by shadow IT? Yeah. So let's do a little history lesson. In the, in the years past, there were only mainframes. When we had mainframes, users were kind of limited. They did what we in IT allowed them to do. And so we had total control. You, you never saw a magazine called Popular Mainframes on the newsstand. And then we got mini computers, and then they begat PCs, and people started to say, I can do stuff on this. It's a personal computer. So let me do something that changes the way my system works and take it out of the hands of IT. Because traditionally, IT, of course, has always been busy, been corporate and been super consumed with security and change control and all the things that made the systems of record, the payroll systems, the ERPs, the inventory systems, absolutely perfect every time they ran. And so the users may have had different needs. I want something right now for a meeting I'm about to go to. I don't care if it ties to the corporate general ledger. This is just for me. And so, Shadow IT started with, I just need this thing on my screen and turned into, why don't I share that nice Excel spreadsheet with this other person? And then that other person shared it with yet another person. And that other person shared it with another other person. And before long, it gets published as one of the corporate financials. And you're thinking, where did this, wait, wait, this is my document. Oh my goodness, it's not right. And so we in IT for decades led campaigns to stamp out this pernicious behavior all IT has to come from us because we're the IT department because everything has to be perfect. So, so that's kind of the evolution of it. And I don't want to make fun of it. It is a bad thing when two people walk into the CEO with two reports and they are different and nobody knows why. And you spend your time, I'm CEOs in the audience, board members in the audience, how many times have you had that? My report's right. My report's right. Let me reconcile the two reports. What do you do? You throw them both out of your office and say, come back when they match. And so shadow IT creates tremendous opportunities for the business to get what they need, but also creates tremendous opportunities to mess stuff up from the standpoint of the big corporation. And so I'm, I'm on the side of corporate IT as a 25 year CIO. So my role has always been tell them no. Um, in fact, one of the things I do, um, Bob, is I take Microsoft Access off the Microsoft Office suite. I don't give it to everybody. Thousands of copies of Microsoft Access is a powerful tool for, for good, but it's also a powerful tool for ill. 
And so for years, people like me have said shadow IT is a really bad idea, but it, you never can stamp it out. Why is that? Because IT is busy. IT has a priority list that starts at the top and works its way down. And sometimes you in your department need something. I got to have what I got to have to run my department. Where is IT when I need them? And so there's been this tension for, for decades. And so as a corporate IT person, I see more chances for doing bad things once the shadow goes beyond your little circle. So I should qualify that. If you're going to do an Excel spreadsheet for your team to do a team report, that's probably fine. Where it gets dangerous is when it winds up as being seen as authoritative and passed around. Um, there, there's a book by Fred Brooks called The Mythical Man Month. That's hard to say without lisping. Um, it is one of the seminal works of managing IT. Um, and it talks about the notion that if I'm building a system for me, it takes X effort. If I'm building a system for other people that I don't know, it takes three times that effort. And, and by the way, Fred Brooks was the architect of the IBM System 360 software package, the biggest software product probably ever delivered. And then he said, if you're building a software system that's module, 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 then have to connect, it's three times as expensive. And if you're building a set of modules for people you don't know, it's nine times as expensive, three times three. And that's a great rule of thumb as an IT person. So when somebody brings me their little shadow IT Excel spreadsheet access database little thing they built, I have to think about that being nine times more complicated when I release it. And that's assuming they followed good programming standards, documentation standards, data standards, and so on. So it, it truly creates or has created in the past a problem. Wayne, you know, one of the uh, sort of specific examples that uh, I just recall about the, this whole notion of shadow IT in some ways was, uh, and this is a, maybe a little bit of a variant of it, but I think it comes around your central point. It was about 20 years ago, Oracle Corporation was starting to grow very rapidly. Larry Ellison at one meeting said to his executive team, how many employees do we have? <clears throat> CFO didn't know, the head of HR didn't know, the head of this didn't know. And the next day everybody came back and there were, you know, six different executives gave six different answers and it was each was as accurate as possible as that individual could give but none of them gave the the accurate company-wide picture and that led to a massive restructuring and reorganization inside the company and ultimately their move toward what they called a single instance of truth and i know that the shadow it is a little bit different here wayne but i think that same notion of how can we have sort of a we all are on the same page as you've described we're not coming in with various versions of the truth, but more and more today as business changes and the tools for business change, it sounds like what you're saying is there's an emerging opportunity here for shadow IT to exist peacefully and harmoniously and non-disruptively with core uh, or central IT. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, actually, your example is quite good because I'm sure, first of all, let's talk about what maybe happened. Somebody in IT said, let me see how many IDs we have in our ID management system. That's a headcount number, except for people that don't have IDs. And by the way, we include contractors and people that we recently terminated. HR said, how many people do we pay? Or payroll said that. How many people do we pay? HR said, how many people do we onboard? So it's the blind people and the elephant all seeing different points of the same truth. 
And you see that all the time in corporations. So that's actually leading to the, the, the question of how we can fix this. One of the problems with shadow IT is that everybody assumes their data source is the data source. And to your point, if companies have multiple sources of the truth as seen by different functions and no business function that reconciles those truths, you create this chaos where people aren't sure what any basic numbers are. It, it makes for a very tough situation when you're managing a company and basic facts like the one you just mentioned, how many employees do we have, is a hard question. I have a client that's in a very distributed business and I asked a question doing a, a network product project for them. Uh, where are all your sites? Where are all your job sites? Nobody knew. Nobody in the company could tell me authoritatively, this is where to mail the network device. And it turned out we built this database out of multiple sources and now it will be maintained. It seemed like an obvious question, right? But this company that does business all over the country, in fact, all over the world. And so where, where, do, you, where do you do business? Basic questions like that are hard to answer sometimes because they live in Excel spreadsheets, access databases, little SQL server things over there, maybe an Oracle database over here. So, so the first step about shadow IT and making it a corporate good is what you just said. It's single source of the truth. It's being able to say that I have a data source that everybody can get to. Now, there's the rub. Traditionally, I build a transactional database. This is the database that holds my general ledger, my accounts receivable, my accounts payable, you know, the ERP database. The problem with that database is it is being hit millions and millions and millions of times a day. Maybe billions if I have an IoT situation, I've got machine sending, machine device uh, messages. I don't want to let end users into that database. I can run what's known colloquially in IT as the query from hell. You can start a query in SQL that takes a million zillion units. Now, Oracle and all the others will sell you a tool to manage that, but it still creates this kind of, why didn't, why didn't my query take nine hours to run? Well, let me explain how many billion records you were accessing and didn't know it. So you wind up with that. Um, and that also can drag down the performance of your entire ERP system. So the first thing is we need a central source of truth. That's called an ERP and companies moving to a SaaS-based ERP, a cloud-based ERP, can get another benefit from that. Microsoft does it, Oracle does it, uh, Salesforce does it, Workday does it. Here's your transactional instance of data. Here is your data lake. And so I know the Microsoft solution best, E365, they're adding a feature that every time you write a transaction into the transaction database, it is also dual written into your data lake. So I've created a transactional auditable copy and a queryable copy built for running these kind of queries. So let's start with all my data here is synced with all my data here and I can allow end users with the right security controls, never want to get away from that, to access that non-transactional query optimized synchronized database. Now, I could do that with SAP, I could do that with traditional Oracle, but it means I and IT have to do it. With the cloud-based ERP products, they're offering that as part of the product offering. So it makes it easier and in a sense less expensive because it's part of my monthly license cost. So, so that's, that's step one, uh, Bob, and you are absolutely right. Single source of the truth, easily accessible is step one. So let me take it to step two. 
if I'm a user in the old days, I got an Excel spreadsheet, I got an access database, I got a whatever, I wrote my whatever program I was writing or hired some developer to write me a program, and then I start running it. Where does the program reside? Oh, hey, it's on my laptop. Oh, my laptop gets stolen. Uh-oh, there's the critical XYZ report we don't have anymore. Um, well, I'll put it on this server. Well, that server is used by payroll and I'm in accounting. Why, why did I put it on the payroll server? Because I had access to it. So IT doesn't even know where it is. Where's the source code? Source code? And you wind up in that kind of forever environment. The way I, as a CIO, typically found out about some interesting shadow IT was when the user who wrote it left the company. And then I got a call. Hey, every month, Mary ran that report for me and she's not here. Uh, what report? Well, you know, the report that we submit to the board. Uh, no. Where is it? I don't know. It's an IT thing. That is the way CIOs find out about shadow IT, mostly. Or the CEO calls you into the office and she says, look at this wonderful graph I've got. Make them for all the departments. And you go, okay, and walk out going, what the heck am I holding? So in the world of SaaS-based ERP built with low code. Now we've talked about low code, we've talked about SaaS ERP and other conversations, but just quickly, ERP, enterprise requirements planning or resource planning, is an integrated set of products that lets me run my entire business and feed them into a common set of databases. That's one thing. Low code is the ability for a citizen developer, a non-professional IT person, to write a program that runs reasonably well. If I'm Google, I don't want to run the 10 billion transaction a day thing with low code products. But if I want to run something that runs departmentally or we use to run my little business, little being up to five or 10 billion, it's a great solution. Now let's marry them. Now we have a cloud-based data lake, a queryable database. And we have a low code solution integrated. So if I say to a developer, a citizen developer, we're going to give you Power Apps and Microsoft Power Automate, used to be called Flow. You are working within my sandbox, my the CIO sandbox. Here, go put it in over here in the test area, which we'll let you into, and do what you want to do. But everything you do is documented within that system. So you're living within the Microsoft D365 slash power platform. And again, I'm not, it's not just Microsoft. Oracle has something. Salesforce has something. I believe Workday has something that all work well together. But so now as the CIO, I can let you go off and do your thing. All the data elements in the data lake that you have security access to are accessible to you. So when you need a, a field out of the data warehouse, it's right there. We have to teach you how to find it, but it's right there. If you wanna add a field, when you add it, it's in the database. It's off to the side, not in the core ERP, but it's there. So if you leave the company, if your laptop gets stolen, if we reassign you, I can set a programmer to go access that material and take it on board. Also, you have to follow all the security rules built into the ERP because you live within the ERP. So I've got auditability, I've got uh, protective, uh, preventive and detective security rules, I have complete knowledge of the system uh, inheritance rules because you're working within the common platform. So when we talk about hyperscale cloud, remember there's three layers. Infrastructure as a service, that's bring your own everything, we'll provide a house for it. Then there's platform as a service, we'll give you some building blocks. And then on top of that is software as a service, SaaS, that lives there. And so we're taking advantage of 
the lowest layer, here's a data lake. We're taking advantage of the middle layer, here's a security platform, change control platform, documentation platform, reporting platform. And then we're taking advantage of the SaaS layer. And so there's a fundamental shift in how end users, citizen developers can code while IT doesn't lose control or visibility. Now, I may not know every report they're writing, but at least I can find it. At least I can attest, my, my auditors can attest to the fact that if you are a user using this application written by, by uh, a Francois down in, in the Paris office, then your security rules will still apply to that program. Whereas in the past, who knew if you were executing the program under Francois' ID, because that's how he wrote it, and all of a sudden, we're getting a security violation that catches caught by audit or creates problems for the company. So being able to maintain what's known as a simultaneous loose tight organization. If you go back to Tom Peters, I gotta have, he, he actually, I just read something from him recently he said he was an ugly formulation, but it's a brilliant formulation. I have an organization that is tight when it needs to be, security, auditability, documentation, but also as loose as it can be. Everybody can do what they want to do, need to do, their boss lets them do, but we're able to create that combination. And so we're not having the shadow IT people hiding from IT or building things that we would have to reject after the fact. It allows us to build that organization that is both fluid and controlled. And, and that's really the power, as we've talked about in prior discussions, of cloud-based SaaS ERP. I got to say again, it doesn't mean pick up your old copy of SAP and dump it into the cloud. That is not what I'm talking about. It's a fundamental shift in the ecosystem. And for executives, board members, CEOs, be pressing your IT staff on this. Let a thousand flowers bloom, but let them bloom in the walled garden that IT has prepared for you. Mm -hmm. hey, Wayne, you know, it sounds like uh, almost like you're talking about a great jazz ensemble, something that's tight when it has to be and loose when it has to be, right? It's got that flexibility. And uh, when, you know, I, I wanted to say it sounds fascinating that description you gave of this emerging type of technology that now allows the shadow IT type of thing to happen in ways that are good for the company that doesn't battle or conflict with what the central IT is doing. That seems to be so much reflective of today's business world right, where more people in more parts of the organization are having access to data because they've got more now of their job involves things with digital interactions. They have to be able to do this. So um, that it, it's a perfect uh, coincidence, right, or perfect, you know, blending together. This technology is evolving in ways that maps to what businesses need right now. Is that a, a fair assessment? Yeah, the one, quest, the one qualm I'll have with that is it's not new. People in business have been sucking data out of the mainframe. Back in the 1980s, I used a product called AttachMate 3270. For those that are old, remember the old green screen terminals. I could put software on a PC, emulate a, a, a terminal, and suck the data out of a mainframe. With Everybody remember screen scraping. And so businesses have been doing that for years. The problem is the user, well, look, users are going to use the system to solve their problem. I'll, I remember many, many years ago in the mainframe world, I, I was in the software products business. So we had a major system to do financial processing. It had thousands of fields. Any field that we didn't have locked down tight, 
that we, uh, we allowed for kind of later use, some big client would fill up with some data. And we'd then say, okay, we're going to use that field now differently. They'd say, wait a minute, we can't because we've already put shoe size in that field. <laughs> and we found ourselves in a constant battle with people because users want the system to work the way they want it to work. And so as IT, in the old days, there was a choice. You could have any color you wanted as long as it was black, corporate black. This is how our system works. Modern users accepting the consumerization of IT, their cell phone is malleable. The user interface of their video game is malleable. And so we in IT have a real cultural challenge now. And I'm sending this message to CEOs to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with your CIO. CIOs are often control freaks. We live in the world of audit. We live in the world of cybersecurity risks. And so we're loath to let things go. But we have to. Now, we don't want to put the company at risk. And so users have been doing this forever. Now they're having more choices how easy it is to do. And I'll go back to, if you take SaaS products, when they first started, companies like Salesforce, their sales pitch was, you don't need no stinking IT to put this in. Just call us, we'll set it up on our computer, the cloud, whatever that is, um, and we'll make it work and you don't have to tell anybody. Now, I will have to say that I know a lot of Salesforce people and they've come back to partner with IT because especially as they embed themselves deeper in the company ecosystem. But the pitch of a lot of companies was, give me a credit card. It's free for the first month. The first four users, you know, the freemium model is the first three users are free after that you pay. And so they've, they've lot, lots of lots of opportunities for getting stuff embedded in companies. And, I, and uh, IT is scrambling to find it all. Now, in fairness too, the, another argument I used to use is give me all the money you're giving everybody for shadow IT. If, there's, if they're hiring Salesforce, well, give me that money. If they're hiring programmers and calling them analysts or engineers, give me that money. And I had a, in years past, I actually did that in one company. We were doing a lot of stuff in a lot of places. So I said, give me the budget. And if you give me a million dollars, I'll give you back a million dollars worth of resources. So you're paying, you're reserving a chunk of IT. And that worked very well because I then was able to exert the control I needed with an IT team, but a group, and I'll pick on marketing. Marketing wanted quick results. We just saw an ad from a competitor. I need a website change tomorrow. And IT would say, well, the next steering committee meeting is in three weeks. Present your business case. Well, then find a firm. And marketing said, no, you don't understand. I need it tomorrow morning. So in one company about 12 years ago, we said, okay, marketing, we'll give you an IT team embedded in the middle of your marketing department. They reported to me, were paid for by the head of marketing, and sat outside of her office. And their mandate was do whatever marketing wants that is not breaking a law, violating company security or audit policies. Um, and, and that was really the only rules and then within their budget. And then the thing about doing a website is if you type, make a typo on a website, you know what you do, you fix it. If you make a typo in the wire transfer program and you accidentally send a hundred million when you meant to send 10 million, it's much uglier. And so, so again, it's horses for courses in one sense. And, and now we've got the tools. I know I digressed a little bit, but that's kind of how it was. And now I think we've got the set of tools that changes that model. 
I don't have to say to everybody, give me an IT department in your department. I can say, I'll give you some tools, I'll give you some training, I will give you some access, and we can build a partnership that doesn't mean I, as the CIO, have to own everything, I can just influence everything. It sounds like, uh, you know, Wayne, the, the, the right sort of approach for today is business, uh, the, the pace of business change, the need for nimbleness and fluidity, and, you know, not just the marketing organization, but lots of others saying, no, I need this tomorrow. So Wayne, as part of this, um, I think the great counsel you've offered here to boards and to CEOs about having these conversations with CIOs and sort of the view forward, not that the words change everything, but shadow IT has been around for a while. It's generally looked on as not such a good thing. Uh, it, do you have an idea for a different way of framing this, a different terminology to use here that uh, signals that it doesn't have to be command and control central, but there's gotta be that coordination and very close communication across all the different groups. So what should the beneficial, this good shadow IT here be in 2020 and beyond? It's interesting you brought it up because to me, even though I trained as an engineer, words matter a lot. And so I will tell you that in most companies over the years, I haven't used the term shadow IT. I've described it as rogue IT because shadow sounds kind of fluffy and warm and a little, it's hiding in the corners like a dust bunny. Rogue IT implies they're out of control. And so that's the term I've actually used more than anything. And today I would call it collaborative IT. Or you can also call it perhaps user-centered user IT. And, and I also want to say something. I use marketing as an example because, and I don't want to say marketing never does anything that has consequence. I don't mean that at all. But they often need speed at the expense of, of other things because I got to get to market. I don't want every user group to have total freedom. If the accounting department wants to change the way we add up numbers to create the notion of profit, that should go through a change control process. I don't care who builds it. So we have to be thoughtful. And again, horses for courses. If you're changing something that touches the general ledger or is ever reported in your external financials to investors or to customers, you've got to have a level of control no matter who does the work. And I don't want to give the wrong impression. It's not a free for all. The system will magically keep you from doing a stupid thing when you're making a calculation. The, uh, so we've got to have rules that say this kind of work can be done without any oversight beyond the departmental level. Again, filling into my walled garden of security and data access. Other things need a more formal change process. Now, again, heretical, I know. I've had change control boards where the people presenting were the users building the system, not an IT person. I'm the user. I built this system. I want to put it through change control. Here's the rules that I've got to follow. What's my backout plan? What's the disaster recovery? Um, has it been reviewed by somebody else? Has audit signed off? But why do we in IT consider ourselves to be this, this priesthood? You have to be an IT person to go to change board. And again, people that are DevOps people and some of the agile people are just cringing at that term. We don't use it a lot. How do we build a system that allows anybody with a good idea to explore that good idea within the bounds of their departmental budget and desires, and then bring that idea to me and IT or to other users, and we can build a much stronger culture because we've realized that everything doesn't come from up here. 
This is not the only source of truth and beauty. It comes from everywhere. And our job up here is to kind of help all these folks everywhere work better together and then step in when they need some technical help in our area, just like the lawyers step in or the marketing people step in or the tax accountants step in. And we can all help each other with the right network of collaborative tools. Wayne, I think that's a, a perfect way to describe it, that collaborative IT is a better way to go. And it also seems to be one of those things that will help break down this uh, antiquated and uh, I think very damaging notion that there's IT over here and the business over here, rather than them being you know, a, a very much a unified entity going forward here. So Wayne, great stuff there. Do you have a final thought if you, you know, a uh, final bit of wisdom that you'd offer to a CEO or a board for, you know, how to move forward on this? Well, as I always say to the board and the CEO, you've really got to be engaging your CIO to make sure that they're moving forward with you. Um, the CEO, the board gets the CIO they settle for. So don't settle. Uh, the message with this particularly is this is where IT and the business wind up like this a lot of times in a CEO's office or a CFO's office. And we've got to get this mentality changed. And I will say the CIO is often the hammer when the users are trying to get useful work done. I don't want to say there are not reasons to be the hammer. I'm certainly the hammer as needed. But to the message to the CEO is be sure your CIO is engaging with the business and engaging with the technology, clearing up your technical debt, again, something we've talked about before, and being ready, clearing the decks for the digital transformation that if you're not already going through, you will be, or you'll be disrupted out of business. Perfect, Wayne. That was uh, great stuff there. A really interesting take on this whole notion of the new version of shadow IT, maybe moving into collaborative IT and all the benefits that that can bring here in our data heavy days. So thanks a lot for your thoughts on this. Uh, Wayne Saden on digital. Uh, Wayne, good to see you again and look forward to seeing you next month. Thanks a lot, Bob. Appreciate it. All right, and thanks to all of you folks for being with us here on Cloud Wars Live. You'll see more of Wayne on Saden on digital coming up soon. And thanks everyone for being with us. We'll see you next time.